Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. I'm Trisden. And I'm Ray. What we hope to do here is find a little bit of middle ground on some of these extremely polarizing social and political issues. Welcome everybody to Extreme Common Sense. What's up, Ray? Hello, Tristan. How's it going, man? I'm alright. You? Yeah, pretty, pretty good. You know, uh, every day's a little bit better when we get to hear ourselves talk for an hour. Well, there's that. I am very much looking forward to us getting back in studio because these uh, Riverside Lincolns, man, I have to look at myself. And I guess I could look at you. I mean, it's a tough choice. But, you know, I don't realize <laughs> either how old or how fat I am until I see myself on camera. Now, now I know the camera adds, what, 40 pounds, they say, and probably at 10 At least years. 40, right. So, yeah, so there's that. Well, I, you know what? I feel that so much. And uh, last year, I dropped 50 pounds. But uh, this year, I've probably put about 15 of that back on, so I fucking see it in my face every time we're on here, and I'm like, I've really got to get that 15 gone again. I, it's, it's just no fun. Stupid food. Yeah. And to that end, um, Tristan and I were down at Daniel's, where it looks like we are going to get ourselves a studio back, and um, Dan had some leftover. Dan turned 44 on uh monday the 12th yes daniel was 44 and he had some leftover red velvet cream filled cupcakes that he offered to the two of us and tristan passed i might have eaten half or most of one i didn't eat did you eat one that you you passed on hell yeah they were damn good and tristan i said you don't want one and he said i do but i'm not gonna have it there you go willpower that's the biggest part of dieting right yeah and you know what my thing is i'm pretty good like monday through friday but when the weekend comes like i have no boundaries or morals like i turn into chris farley from like six o'clock on friday until work again like eight o'clock on monday morning so i just eat and drink everything well, let me ask you this. So you said yeah. you've gained 15 pounds, but could that be a serious question? Could that be not a way to lose weight? So you lose your 50 pounds, but could that model help you maintain weight? In other words, could you really be strict Monday to Friday and at six o'clock Friday, say, screw it and not worry about it again until eight o'clock Monday morning and, and maintain your weight? Probably. Yeah. Probably with just a couple tweaks, you could, you could hold your weight, but the problem is, uh, you know, for probably like two weeks we've had, I mean, we drank some wine for the Emmys the other night and we went to a concert last weekend. And so we've done a few extra things through the week that have, uh, you know, got together with friends a few times and it always seems to include a couple mixed drinks and eating out and you like, you can't do that two or three times through the week and then also have a fun weekend and you, you can't maintain that's a pound or two every single time. And it's, uh, you know, you've really just got to kill your diet for the next little while but uh yeah it's no fun and you mentioned daniel we probably should say that's dan the owner of bad wolf gaming one of our sponsors so that's we were we were setting up our our uh, computer and studio at at bad wolf so uh yeah so that's coming up so check out our friends at bad wolf gaming at chestnut street and soon check out us 
there as well, periodically recording our podcast. Uh, thanks to our buddy and my homeboy, Aaron, at Berea Pond, BuckshotandLead.com. We'll give them another shout-out later. And he's at 107 Clay Drive if you're in Berea, BuckshotandLead.com if you're on the interweb. And, of course, Troy at uh, Front Porch Studios. Couldn't do the show without Troy. Uh, keeps us in line, sends us these wonderful videos of how to do everything that we have to do so even dumb yeah. guys can do it. So thanks, Troy, and hopefully, guys, check out if you like this or any of the stuff that uh, that we're up to or you think you'd like to do some podcasting, check out frontporchstudios.com. But I will say, Ray, I did regret for at least two hours not eating that red velvet cupcake. I mean, it was beautiful. I mean, uh, who passes up a red velvet cupcake? Yeah, and then the added bonus of the cream inside, which I didn't realize, and I was like, oh, man. The only thing I was lacking was a cup of coffee. That stuff is great. But you mentioned the Emmys, man. I forgot all about them. Keenan hosted it. How was it? You know what? Keenan is such a talent. Um, he's he's a really talented guy. I love him on SNL. But the, to me, and I don't know if this is on the heels of Will Smith's Oscar ceremony, but it was so watered down. Like there wasn't any real comedy to speak of. Like they opened with a dance number. And if you're into dancing and you like dance numbers, like, man, they did a great job. Um, and then from the dance number, they went into the awards, which were fine. Uh, there was the lady that won maybe best actress with Abbott elementary, uh, such a talented lady and just gave a beautiful speech and, and sang. And, you know, there were some really nice moments, but if you're like me and you sort of, really tune into those shows to see like the 15 minute comedy monologue and some of the, the high power comedy skits and stuff. It, it really was a kind of a letdown in terms of that. It, it really was boring. Yeah. I think that woman is 65 years old and her speech was about hanging in for your dream, right? Yeah, that's it. From exactly. Yeah. yeah. And a cute show, but you know, and I, I've watched the first season and uh, I don't know if I saw it as like, emmy award-winning like it was good but uh, you know when i I watch a a show that's as well put together as uh, what we do in the shadows or you know even um oh shoot uh, larry david show curb your enthusiasm yeah Yeah, like i I mean to me it's i don't know it's just so like simple and mainstream which is you know exactly what you're going to get pretty much on network television sitcoms but you know to just almost sweep the emmys i was kind of shocked about that honestly I'll tell you, I was never much of a Big Bang Theory fan. My my daughter loves it, and, and we have uh, very similar senses of humor. Brielle was the one who rec- recommended Modern Family to me some years back, and I'll tell you how that went. It's probably, show had been on four or five years, and she asked, Dad, have you ever seen this? And I said, no, she was living with us at the time, and she took her laptop, and we watched like three episodes, and I was hooked, and she was exactly right. It's a great show. Uh, but she's always liked Big Bang. I never really got it. But I have caught that young Sheldon, and it's pretty damn entertaining. The cast is great. It's a funny show. The situations are good, and I do actually like it. Nice. You know, I've never watched, I'm, other than bits and pieces of Big Bang, I haven't uh, really checked it out. I have, like, to your point, I've had a lot of people who know my sense of humor and said, oh, no, if you sat down and watched Big Bang, you'd really like it. Yeah. And, uh and the same with, with young Sheldon, like the clips I've seen, boy, that kid's brilliant, right? Like he's one hell yeah, of a little great. actor. Yeah, he is. He's, he's so one, it, he, he makes it. Yes. And so that's probably something that, you know, in like three years, I'm like, oh, we should just watch that. And, and we'll, we'll binge, you know, both of those or whatever. But yeah, were to you, this point, I haven't. Were you a parks and recreation guy? Yeah. Yeah. I definitely uh, watched parks and rec, you know, almost everything uh, Greg Daniels does. Usually I'm a pretty big fan. 
See, that's another one, Triz, and Brielle loved it, and I've never seen it. And then what was the other one with, um, uh, is it Bateman? Every, uh, Arrested Development. Oh, yeah, that's really good. Big fan of Arrested yeah. Development. And, and yeah, Brielle tells me, Dad, you've got to watch that show You that's so up your alley in, in terms of sense of humor, and I've not committed to it. Yeah, and, and uh, I mean, it's such a, it's ridiculous. I mean, I know a lot of people just don't have a taste for sort of ridiculous comedy. Like they're not going to sit through a Will Ferrell movie, but if you like ridiculous comedies, it's also very smart. So Arrested Development is, you know, one part slapstick, dumb, you know, half wit humor, but the other half, it's like also freaking totally brilliant. So yeah, highly recommend that. And I would watch Arrested Development even uh, slightly before Community, but they're both really good. Community, was that it, or was that another show? Parks and Rec and Community? Oh, shoot. I'm so sorry. I always get Parks and Rec and Community in my mind. Yeah, those are similar, Like the same. Yes, but they're both, yeah, I put those on the same level. Both good. Yes, Parks and Rec, you'll get it. If you like The Office, you'll like Parks and Rec for sure. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. We have thanked our sponsors, and we have chatted a bit. Now we have to do a show. Do we have any idea? You know, I was counting... I was counting on you this week. I think um, you mentioned the queen and uh, that's something that I know less than nothing about other than hearing, you know, people drone on about it um, in the media. So Biden sent, Oh, I'll date myself. Biden sent a telegram. No, Biden sent a correspondence (laughs) to to England and said, I was very sorry to hear about the queen. I love Bohemian Rhapsody. (laughs) I saw that as a meme on Facebook. So, yeah. I yeah. mean, it's interesting. I, you know, the monarchy is an interesting thing, Tris. And I, um, I grew up with a mom who loved it. Mom was half English. Um, my lineage is Irish and English. And I, I told the story, uh, one Christmas, Brielle, our daughter bought ancestry for the four of us and we spit a little bit into the cup and, um, it came back and I was always told I was Irish and English. And anybody I know that has had that done, did you ever do a heritage or ancestry? I did. Did it I come did. back with anything surprising? nothing nothing at all okay it was so you exactly what i thought okay so you and i are the two then same with me nothing but like lucas did one who i work with and there was like armenian blood now uh patty's came back with some jewish blood i don't know if i ever told you that i think you did mention that my children have a little bit of jewish in them because her mom was gosh it was a high percentage her mom was in the 20 percents and patty had like six and each of the kids has like a percent of jewish blood which is pretty cool yeah, um, but mine came back Irish and English. The Irish came from mom, and half uh, I'm sorry, the English came from mom, half the Irish, and then dad was a full blooded Mick. And so it was a split <laughs> family in my household. My mother loved the royal family. She was born the same year as the queen. Mom passed away far too young, but she would have been 96 on her last birthday as the queen was. And their oldest children, in her case, King Charles and my oldest sister, Kathy, were two days apart in age. So she followed the royal family uh, very closely and liked the monarchy and read books on them. And my old man was like, those damn moochers, you know, <laughs> can't stand them. So I had right. A knowledge of them, but at the same time, I, I understand all the critiques. But when it comes to pageantry, you got to say the British do it better than any other. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the news the last few days, but my goodness, they get it right. The pomp oh, of yeah. circumstance. Absolutely, man. They're the the jaguar of uh, of countries. They they yes. nail it. Uh, no, and uh, to, you just mentioned there just a little bit, and I really have schooled myself this week. In um, I, I was there was a soccer game on. And they were chanting Lizzie's in a box. Oh my and God. And I was like, 
what the hell? So like, I really got into some of this, uh, why the Irish really hate the English and why they hate the monarchy, um, some this week. So in that sense, I learned quite a bit. Um, yeah, so much of the, um, the Irish army and so much of the, 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 I guess the divisions that they've had over the last hundred years is just fascinating. I mean, it doesn't yeah. have as much to do with Queen, the Queen Elizabeth passing, but nonetheless, it was pretty cool. But that, you know, let's be honest, that's a little tacky. That was, um, I think in Dublin and, and I had that forwarded to me from somebody and I think it was taken down. I don't think you can find that anymore, but that was literally the day she died, the evening of the day she died and they're in there chanting that. I mean, how, you know, 24 hours, maybe I thought that was a little shitty. Oh, no question. Lizzie's in a box. Yeah, but uh, I I don't know, the man. Passions Maybe passions run you, high. The passions do. And, and I always sort of felt like in the last hundred years, did the crown have enough power to be hated that much by the Irish? But apparently the, the, some, some think they did. Yeah, but what was interesting about her was she was really, not really, she was apolitical. Like, right. um, you know, condolences came in from all over the world, including from Putin. Like Putin said, oh, she was a lovely woman. And there was some thought that he might even be attending the funeral. Um, you know, I'd say that's coming up, but we never know when this show is airing, um, which I don't think he's going to do. But I mean, she never really gave her politics away. So um, I guess, you know, with the Irish, it's obviously their problem is the, the monarchy as far as what it represents. But it's the British government trying to keep them under their thumb. And it sure. seems like that's sort of cooled. But, you know, there's Northern Ireland, which is which is a part of the UK and sympathetic to the monarchy. And then there's the Republic of Ireland, which is the rest of the country. And they just have no use for the English generally and the monarchy specifically. Yeah. And I was definitely fascinated by the fact that the queen was apolitical. And I read that also King Charles will now be apolitical and he's uh, known for being a certain, like a, a, a very big uh, climate change right uh, proponent speaking out about climate change is was his big issue and i guess he is sort of passed that now to uh to prince harry who will continue that who is also very passionate about the climate but he will remain silent from this point forward about his politics which is yeah i wish more people would do that right <laughs> Non- yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah absolutely when i was a kid uh working up in jersey uh Dresden, there was this fellow named mike Ducey. And this guy was a sheet metal worker in New York City, and his union was on strike. I was working for a landscaper, so Mike worked for us for maybe four weeks one summer while his union was on strike. And this guy was in a fife. He was a great guy, but he was in a fife and drum band. He played drums in a marching band, and all of the proceeds that they made for their gigs went to the Irish Republican Army. Really? And one day we used to drink. We used to um, imagine that we'd w- go and cut lawns and then we'd uh, wind up at a place called G&L, uh, George and Leon's Liquors, G&L Liquor up on Route 23 and Pompton Plains. And we'd sit there. You know, I'm not I don't have a girlfriend. I got nowhere to go. And so we'd sit there till nine, ten o'clock, you know, bending the elbow. 
And Mike's pretty well in his cups one day. And he's like, man, you got to join the movement with your face, with your Irish face. You got to join the movement. And I'm like, Mike, I got no real interest in that. Like, I'm proud of my Irish heritage, but I, I, I really don't want to become part of the group that's sympathetic to the Irish Republican Army. He's like, no, man, you need to join. I mean, that was, that was pretty wild. Now I'm going back to probably 1981, 82, but, uh, yeah, that's a vivid memory. I mean, those people were serious, man. Oh, that's fascinating. Well, you know, my best friend, Brendan, who we've had on the show, he's, he's pretty into it. Like, uh, you know, again, I, I think things have cooled over the past decade to 15 years, but you know, you know, if, if he told me, yeah, man, I send $500 a month to the, uh, to the Irish uh, Republic army, I would not be shocked by that at all. You know, and I think he took that from his parents who are each 100% Irish and, uh, you know, and he, he takes his heritage very, very seriously. I mean, you have to marvel at the British. You don't necessarily have to love them, but it's a tiny island that literally conquered the world or most of what we knew. And the, I mean, you know, America's century, we're, we're not yet sure who the 21st century is going to be. Is it going to be China's century? Let's hope not. Or maybe we'll, I'll make my exit before that. But you'd have to say the 20th century was America's century and the 19th century was the British century. I mean, they, other than losing us, you know, losing to us and not recapturing that. I mean, they basically conquered most of the world from this tiny island in the North Atlantic. And, they're sort of to be marveled and and given credit. They also, you know, there was always that great paradox with the English that they had all of the social graces. As we said, they do pageantry and pomp and circumstance better than anybody. They're schooled, they're mannerly, but yet they were ruthless motherfuckers who would cut your nuts off if they needed to. Yeah. And did that in a lot of the world. Yeah. Most definitely. And I, and I wish I could add something to that, but I think you just nailed it. I, I don't know that, that, that I've got anything to accentuate that point. Yeah, they, you know, they subjugated a lot of people, first and foremost, India, which is a huge country. And, you know, the British had India for years and years, and it was sort of their playground. I th- I believe uh, the second oldest golf course in the world after St. Andrew is in India because they went over there and they built a golf course and the Indians didn't know shit about golf, but it's like, you know, boy, you're going to caddy for me. And you know, the house boys. And I, I mean, they were in India for, I don't know, well over a hundred years. Right. And wow, yeah. you know, the Indian people were not getting treated well by the Brits. No, no, they were some conquering motherfuckers. And yeah, that, uh, yeah. The, the, over time, you certainly, you see that and it just looks, uh, looks not the best. So uh, hey, here's a, a ironic point for you. <clears throat> one of the oldest non, um, I guess one of the oldest concurrently running golf courses in America is in Middlesbrough, Kentucky. You know, I think I read about that. Tell tell me more. I remember seeing something about it. Well, as I do, I know about half of every fact that I know. So, yeah, but it, it never closed. It's been open for like 220 years and just never closed. So like a lot of, uh, you know, golf courses would have closed, you know, through the stock market, stock market uh, collapse of, of the thirties or, uh, you know, some of the, the flu, uh, epidemics or things, but no, they've just stayed open the whole time. So it's just this little, you know, podunk nine hole course in Middlesbrough, Kentucky, that is, uh, the, the oldest and, uh, oldest concurrently running in the country. So pretty cool. Did you ever play it? I played it once, but it's been a long time. That's cool. Yeah. Which I haven't played much golf. We need to get out and play some golf. Man, I played so little this year, Tristan. And what's funny about that is I remember in the winter, uh, 
February into March, I was thinking, man, I'm not really feeling golf, but ah, I won't worry about that. When I get out the first time, the, the love will be back. And it just never, and I'm not saying I'm done with golf by any means, but just circumstance this year. And I had a playing partner who wasn't readily available as he'd been. And I, I've played less than six times this summer and I, I and I missed the game because I've always said this about golf it's one of those things somebody told me skiing was like this never having been a skier I don't know but I would imagine golf is one of those few things where you get out on that golf course and you realize somewhere around the seventh hole man I haven't thought about anything but this golf course for the past hour and a half two hours and there's very few things that you can say that of, and sometimes that's good. Your mind just fuck up, put all that other stuff that's driving you nuts away and go out and play on this golf course. That's nice. And I would, I would say on the heels of that, most sports, you know, that's something that's been such yeah. a, a passion for me through my life. But yeah, if you're sprinting up and down a basketball or football field, but a basketball court, football field, baseball, you got a little time to think, but most sports, it's nice, man. You just, you wake up sort of in your mind an hour later and your old thoughts return to you and realize, yeah, for the last hour, man, I was just in the game. Yeah, no, that's very true. Well, all right, before we leave the Queen, a couple of really cute stories that I heard. One was, uh, do you remember the name Bill Bennett? A very conservative man. He wrote the Book of Virtues. He was uh, Ronald Reagan's uh, Secretary of Defense. And he's an old man now, but he's still around. And I heard him tell this story that he said was confirmed by James Baker. So Queen Elizabeth and Ronald Reagan were both big horse people, right? And Reagan had taken a trip to England. I think it was up at the castle in Scotland. She passed away at Balmoral or whatever it is. And it's very, uh, very isolated, uh, very rugged terrain. It's up in what they call the lakes region of Scotland. Beautiful country. And they're out on horseback and they're going up this really steep terrain. And Queen Elizabeth is in front of Reagan on her horse. And the way uh, Bennett described it was the horse, the queen's horse, expelled a large volume of gas, <laughs> as horses will when they're working hard. And Indeed. she turned and said, oh, excuse me, Mr. President. And Reagan, always known for his wit, quick wit, said, oh, I'm sorry, your majesty. I thought it was the horse. <laughs> <laughs> and they said she smiled. She had a good sense of humor. She smiled at that. <laughs> That's and pretty good. There was another story I heard one of the great British, uh, and I don't do the accent like you can, but, you know, this British gentleman that had spent 40 years with her or whatever and used to take those trips to the castle. And I guess they were out on a walk, I, I guess, without security, whatever. It was pretty secure. And these two American hikers happened upon them. So they were sort of lost, and they started a conversation. And he's telling this story, right, <laughs> this old British fellow, this very prim and proper gentleman. And these two British hikers said, we've heard that the Queen's Castle is is somewhere here. And they said, yeah, it's just over those hills. And they said, well, you've been, oh, and they asked, they said, you know, what do you do? She said, oh, well, I've, I've been coming up here for, since I was a little girl. And they said, well, have you ever met the Queen? And she says, I myself have not, but Charles here, whatever his name was, sees her frequently. So they said, oh, what kind of, you know, wow, what is she like? And he said, knowing that she had a decent, you know, she pull her leg. He said, well, she's a bit cantankerous, but she's got a wonderful sense of humor. <laughs> so, so then they say, well, can we get a picture with you? And yeah, they hand the camera to the fucking queen and she <laughs> snaps a picture, right? Which is, you know, a Brit would no more think to do that. Talk about a, a, a breach of protocol. 
And sure. then she, she says to them, well, you seem like fine chaps. Might I take a picture with you? And so he snaps a picture of the two of them with her. And she says, after they leave, I'd love to be a fly on the wall back in America when people see that picture and realize, you know, that right. hopefully somebody realizes who I am. And they say, you were with the queen. That's a great oh, story. Oh, my God, that's hilarious. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Oh, man. So I've only got two real thoughts on the royal family I, and i don't know about thoughts but i've got uh i'll tell a really quick story and then i'll ask you a question so my story is my first introduction i guess into my lifetime was i guess i was probably 12 or 13 uh when prince charles and lady diana were were splitting yeah. up and i remember very oh, splitting gr- up i thought you oh that's yes. right they would have married the year you were born 81 that's right? it yeah. Uh, I was born in 80. Yep. And I think yeah. they were yeah married in that 80 was, or 81. I remember that, man. I would have been 20. That was a presentation. She had a train that was like 100 feet long, man. Oh, I've definitely seen clips of that. Yeah. So yeah. so as they were splitting up, I think there was a lot of rumors of infidelity for both of them or whatever. And, uh, right. you know, Lady Camilla was sort of becoming a namesake in the vernacular. And I, I guess uh, Dana Carvey, who used to be on SNL, he was in a tampon. Uh, playing King Charles who had transformed himself into a tampon because I guess one of the quotes that came out during the divorce was he would like to be Camilla's tampon. So I'll never forget the Saturday night live that, that Dana Carvey as Prince Charles as a tampon. And I just thought, man, that was fucking fascinating. But, uh, so yeah, it was, it was pretty ridiculous and I've looked for it and I can't find it. So I don't know if it was a fever dream, but I 100% have that memory. Um, and so then I guess my question to you, would you want that life? And is it good? Can, can that be an enjoyable life as even though you're rich and you have everything you want? Yeah. I mean, that's tough, isn't it? I mean, you think of those two, I'd say call them kids, but they're both grown men now. Um, we remember the little kids walking at their mother's procession, funeral procession, and now they'll be doing that again. Um, and of course the tabloids are like, oh, they're getting along because they were a little bit uh, estranged over some of um, Harry's antics, I, I guess. Uh, and not maybe antics, just where they found themselves. I mean, I give him credit. He loves Meghan Markle, and he was not going to let the family get in the way of that, I guess. But um, Yeah, I think it was the renunciation of his title, right? Which is why yeah. his brother was sort of mad at him. So Because he I, said, I, yeah. I'm not going to perform so. any of these duties as a prince now. I'm, I just want to go live a normal, somewhat normal life. Yeah, I mean, you don't get to live a normal life, let's be honest. Those two guys were in the spotlight their entire life. Now, I mean, there's a lot of benefit. I'm sure it's not too hard, you know, getting laid when you say, oh, I'm going to be the king of England. <laughs> you know, that's a pretty good pickup line. It's a pretty good place to start. And but where do you like, use that? They can't go to well, the bar and say, hey, ladies, I mean, you you know, you've got, again, you've got all this money, all this fame, and all this ability to go do whatever you want. But it's, you know, you're like you're the fucking president. You can't just walk into to Applebee's and say, what's up, gals? You know, it just wouldn't happen. Well, they certainly both married quite attractive females, didn't they? Yeah, def- definitely nothing wrong with those ladies. Yeah. But as far as the lifestyle, um, it's got to get, you know, it's, it's, well, I mean, I guess you're reared in it. I guess that's part of the social graces. So, you know, your, the expectations are, are there. And I'm sure that granny, as they called her, was quite good at, um, at that. I mean, I, you know, apparently the, the weird part, and, and I guess it's, anybody at that level i remember 
something Ivanka Trump said, which kind of caught my ear a little bit. She said, you know, when I was at college, my father never failed to take one of my phone calls, you know, speaking about Donald. And it's like, okay, well, you're his daughter. I mean, is that really a thing? Like Mr. Trump will return your call in some time. And they used to talk about the royal family. They used to set up times to meet with Prince Philip, like Charles. And apparently Charles and his dad, the prince who passed away a couple of years ago at almost 100, um, were never very close. And it was like he would have to set up a meeting to see his father, you know? I mean, that's a lot. Yeah, that's, that's just effed up. Right. Yeah, so so would you do it if you could say be twenty no, I, years I, old? I, mean, and- I wouldn't. I'm very happy with my meager, you know, boring existence. I, you know, that constant fame and fortune, I think, is for somebody else. I, I you know, no, nah, I, I don't think I would like that. Yeah, but I, as, as Mark as- Twain said, uh, Trisden, Mark Twain said, "I'm opposed to millionaires, but don't give me the opportunity." <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, so there's yeah. that. Nice. So yeah, that that would. There's a lot nice in that life, no doubt. Yeah, I, I just think you know, if I was going to be famous for something, I would want at least to not have to constantly be in public acting a certain way. I would like to somewhat be myself, and I would put this on uh, people. You know, like I, I've got friends and family members who are pastors, and it's like, man, not that you know, not you that anybody pastors? wants to. Go- Did you say pastors, pastors preachers? I could see how you could have got that, uh, that, that mixed up in your ear, but like you can never just walk in like your local corner store and, you know, just get a six pack of beer. And again, not that life's about drinking or acting a fool or anything like that. I mean, it certainly is not, but man, just the ability to do that is just completely gone. Like you always have to be on for lack of a better term. Like, you know, if you're in the church. Or yeah, if you're in, in uh, you know the royal family, like you never just get to wear a pair of jogging pants to the mall and and buy a shirt. Like that's you just can't have that life. That's right. So yeah, I don't know. I'm like you. I'm, I would certainly be happy with uh, with riches. I guess I would also accept fame as a as a you know if if it had to come with the riches. But I don't know if I would want to be rich or famous in the church or in the royal family. There was another story I heard. Um... <laughs> And I can't tell you this woman's name, but uh, before Elizabeth became queen, when she was uh, 10, 12 years old, she had, you know, Elizabeth Windsor, she had this caretaker who was 10 or 12 years older than her. So if she was 10, this woman was 22 and she took care of her, you know, I guess laid clothes out, whatever it is. Well, when she became queen at age 25, this woman is now in her late thirties, maybe 40. And I'm sure she's got the power to do what she wants. So Queen Elizabeth says to her, I'd like to offer you a suite of which there have to be many at Buckingham Palace. And you can essentially retire there and we'll take care of the rest of it for you. You, you become such a good friend and confidant. I'd love to have you around. Now that can't be a terrible existence. That that would probably be pretty cool because I'm sure there's a spot in Buckingham Palace where nobody knows you're there. You're down yeah, no. swing somewhere, and you got a couple of rooms, and your food is taken care of, and your shelter is taken care of, and life ain't bad. Yeah, no, I would. That that's a life you would definitely consider taking because again, <laughs> you get the benefits without the trappings, which is you ideal. Exactly. You get the benefits without the trappings. You're right there for everything. And you earned it. You know, obviously you, you got her confidence over the years. You, you were a good uh, servant to her. And so she's throwing you back a bone, which is a pretty good moan. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's pretty nice. And you'd have to assume this lady, probably over the course of a decade, probably seems like family too. So, sure, you know, pr- exactly probably right. what, yeah, what most folks I would imagine with that type of power would do. But you know, I guess in closing, we say let the old girl rest in peace. You know, she seemed she seemed pretty likable. She did a good job. Seventy years, man, certainly the longest monarch in in British history, but only by a few years because Victor, Victor, Queen Victoria was there something like sixty four years. But I've got to be one of the longest monarchs in the history of the world, if not the longest. I, I don't actually know that, but you know, seventy years is a run, man. Yeah, that's not playing around. I mean, I, I was saying th- that that's been my whole lifetime, but that's been like a lot of people's whole lifetime. I mean, we've never known another ruler of uh, of Great Britain. Yeah, or not yeah, ruler, I guess, but uh, yeah, yeah, queen. I'm 62, and it was my entire life. And in fact, that is one more quick story. My father-in-law, who passed away in 2015, uh, my wife Patty's dad, said that the drunkest day of his life, Trisden, was her coronation. He was in Korea serving. And he was serving with British troops. And I guess the coronation, if you're a Brit, is just a throwdown. And he said those British troops were just shit-faced. I remember him saying that he was driving a boat on one of the Korean rivers, and these guys were water skiing, and it was just an absolute throwdown back in 53 when she was coronated. That's pretty wild. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, that's a cool story. Well, yeah, to your point, I think the British know how to party a little bit. So it does feel like... yeah, Patty and I took a trip to London back in 2018, I believe it was, 2017 maybe. And, um, well, two things about that. One was it was wonderful. I mean, I felt at home, which I know is weird, but I do have British lineage, English lineage, and it was just a wonderful city, London. We went out in the countryside some, saw, saw Stonehenge. I liked everything about it, including the people. And if somebody told me tomorrow you've got to go to Britain and spend a year, uh, London and spend it, I'd be, I'd be on the plane. It, it it was wonderful. But the other observation was those folks do not get cheated when it comes to drinking, man. They drink. Nice. I, I give them the fist of power. You Do you have any English blood? I do. Uh, well, like for me, it's I'm right down the line. I'm 50% Ashkenazi Jewish and 50% English Irish. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, so you had no choice but to be funny because I've often said that. Don't worry. Irish and Jewish, I mean, they're really the funniest people on the planet. Some might disagree, but in my mind, they are. And, you know, I think some of that has to do with, um, you know, some of that has to do with persecution. You know, out of out of uh, pain comes humor, right? Right. And, and I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast. It's kind of a secret, but I think also growing up a little bit poor, which I did. Uh, does tend to be a catalyst for you know trying to find the the funny in in bad situations. Maybe that's why and the so Germans I, are still. I wonder if that's why the Germans are so unfunny. They were always the conquerors. Well, you know, when you to the victor go the spoils, but also to the loser goes the sense of humor. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, while we're talking about the royal family, like what's up with uh, and you'll know his name. Is it Jeffrey, the guy that was caught with uh, Epstein? With uh, Jeffrey Epstein oh, no. and then the uh, underage yeah, girls, uh, uh, Andrew. Yeah, pr- Prince Andrew. Prince yeah, Andrew. so, so that there's some shadiness going on there. I think. Oh fuck! Yes, absolutely. Yes, I mean, and then he did that awful interview on British television. Kudos to whoever the journalist was that got it. That was just an embarrassment. Where apparently his mother called him in and said, "Look, don't say another word until we get the vet. What you're going to say? You're, you know, her son. You dumbass. Yeah, I mean." 
Yeah, they're you know what, Tristan, they're all players. I, I mean, they've all, you know, they're all players. What else can you say? Yeah, and I think we're all, you know, if you want to be single or, or whatever, if you want your lifestyle to be a player, I mean, there's no judgment for me as long as the girls are of age to, you know, yeah. to date. I mean, I just think that's, well, you know, it's, doing it willingly, are. not, you know, being oh, exactly. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Cause the, the difference between the term player and rapist is a pretty huge gap. So player, you can date lots of women consensually. Yes. Rapist, of course, on the worst end of that scale. Yeah. It's, it's, um, yeah, exactly right. No, the royal family is filled with baggage. I mean, just filled with it. You know, that's why book after book was written and why it does keep our attention. And, um, you know, I, I guess there's definitely an arguable debate as to whether or not the British people should prop them up. And, uh, I mean, I was reading where, um, uh, so Charles now becomes king and his son William becomes the Duke of whatever it is, Edinburgh or something. And with that, Tristan comes a castle with 105,000 acres and a annual salary of $27 million. So to, to, to answer your question, right, that ain't bad. <laughs> not, not bad at all. Plus, <laughs> you know, if you were in America, you could probably walk around unnoticed mostly, but of course he's in places that he would probably not be able to go enjoy that. And I don't know about America, Tristan, maybe, um, you know, South America perhaps, but you know, Australia is still a British possession, right? Commonwealth, which they yeah. say the Australians may opt out of, and they're pretty damn well known over here. I mean, look at the news coverage. It's still leading the news at night in America. Yeah. Well, that's fair. Yeah. I just don't know how deep that interest runs. Like, I know your average American could probably name now King Charles and Lady Diana, of course, and, uh, you know, the Queen Elizabeth, et cetera. But I don't know how far that line goes down until your average American, who, mind you, probably couldn't name our current vice president. So I don't know how far that line goes. No, I agree. I agree. But, yeah, as I say, you know, rest in peace, old girl, and eh, good luck, Indeed. Charles. I mean, that's a... You know, he takes it takes it over at 72. And so, you know, you don't know how many years he's going to sit on the throne. And then William gets it, right? That's it. That's the line of succession. Yeah, and, long and then William's kid. George, I think it is. Yeah. So the next the next three, you go. Uh, the next three monarchs will be, or I, I don't know what the word is. Yeah, I guess monarchs will be males, will be kings, right? Yeah, I guess so. After seven so, years. So, yeah. Long- but yeah, definitely a uh, an ally to America. Long, long live the king, yes. man. No, no hard feelings here. Yeah, given our history, it's an ironic ally, I suppose. But yeah, probably no greater ally in the world now are the Brits. And how about the new prime minister there, Liz Truss, right? What a week for her. She literally, I think the last act, the last official act the queen did was to swear her in, whatever they do. And two days later, she was gone. And here's Liz Truss, you know, and the English people get a brand new monarch and a brand new prime minister in the span of three days. It's pretty wild. Wow. Yeah, a lot going on over there politically. There sure is. Yeah, there yeah. sure is. So a lot going on over here, Ray. This weekend, uh, for me, I went to an Ice Cube, Cypress Hill, and Bone Thugs and Harmony concert in Corbin, Kentucky. Wow. Yeah, wow, it's wow, a, wow. That's that new uh, center that they've built. Is it nice? Yeah, it's fine. You know, you're not going to go and be like, oh, this is... Um, you know, Madison Square Garden, which probably also is a bit of a dump. But uh, no, the, it was nice, nice enough. You know, it's like a big college arena for like college basketball or something. Ice so, Cube. Now, so what was the demographic of the audience? 
man. You're, I would say, ninety percent white. Uh, yeah, a lot of hip hop fans definitely. I mean, to walk around at that show was kind of funny because a lot of white guys your age, tons of white guys my age, a lot of white women. You know, there was some folks the color of the performers, but there wasn't nearly as many as uh, you know, as just folks that probably came out of the holler to watch some rap. So it was pretty wild. It was a blast, man. It was a lot of fun. Um, I worked out a trade for some tickets uh, through uh, from my job to their job, and uh, you know, got to go. Got was like five rows back, and and just had a blast. I mean, that's stuff that uh, you know, '90s rap music. That's sort of what I grew up with, and yeah, it was uh, so much fun for me. But um, here's where I'll take that. Uh, so Ice Cube got in trouble, Ray, a few years ago for some anti-Semitic comments. And he also has uh, one of his songs that I happen to have uh, on my iPod because I live in 1998 and I still have an iPod. Actually, you know, he's kind of rap, rapping about uh, the Jew manager that sort of took him for some money in NWA and it's like that. So, I, you know, it did some soul searching, man. And I think the, the era of 2022, you know, you really, it, we, we are offended by everything to a degree. And it, it was a lot of, uh, a lot of inner thought to, to decide if, if I wanted to go, you know, buy a $50 shirt from ice cube because oh, yeah. it, it's, it, it is weird. And, and I don't know, I've, I've, I've thought a lot about this and at what point do you say somebody can say something and learn and it goes away because I don't want to live in a world where every person who has a bad day and says, oh, that fucking black guy stole my wallet. If it happens to be the truth means he hates black guys. Or, you know, again, the manager who happened to be Jewish that may have taken him for more money, you know, does that mean that he hates all Jewish people, even though that's probably not the best way to say it on a song. But I did read that he had come out and said a lot of things about, um, you know, I mean, he met with a lot of prominent Jewish folks in the communities who said that this man is not an anti-Semite. But um, but yeah, man, it, it was it caused a lot of reflection. Do you have an amount like, do you have a thing that somebody could say about Irish people that you would say, fuck you, you're no good to me? Or, you know, where people can have bad, where where do you stand on that? I mean, I know you're from the old school and you're not going to be quite as offended as somebody from my generation or younger, but how do you feel about that? I mean, I think you ask a great question. There is certainly nothing wrong with, uh, and I can't use the term woke because what does it mean? Nobody can define it. It's overused, but there's nothing wrong with progress where you're trying to get people on an equal footing and, and and realizing that prejudice isn't right and stereotypes aren't right. At the same time, I think you said this just before, how do you hold someone responsible and just for, for, for the for the worst day of their life, or even if it's not the worst day of their life, for something that they said in, in, a, in a moment of passion or they were pissed at something, whatever, um, and never give them a second chance? I mean, that's not right either. So yeah, where you square that and how you fit those together is where we're at right now. And let's be honest, there has not been an answer, right? Yeah. No. So you're, you're, you're right. I, I think you're just kind of reaching inside yourself to say, you know, Hey, am I completely perfect? If, if I never had a bad day, you know, where I said something that was completely regrettable and, you know, not, not a representation of how I feel, uh, you know, like about whoever, a group of women that may have, I don't know, stole my car. And then I was like, those bitches, you know, and then I, I don't certainly hate women, but if I 
would have done that and these women stole my car like you know and that was recorded and just played on loop then people would say Tristan's a sexist and does not like women which could not be farther from the truth so yes i don't know man i i think it is it's fascinating that we're all so offended and how quickly we all are uh to throw out a lot of good media and a lot of uh, entertainers but uh man again it. If, if you hold everybody up to this light of stardom and, and celebrity nowadays where every single thought gets posted on uh, on a, some platform or another, I mean, man, you are not going to have many people famous for very long. Well, to your credit, and we don't have to get into great detail in this, but I, um, oh, hey, I've got some cashews. Should I munch them? Well, uh, you know, we did have a, a five-star review about that. So I know the guy that, that was listening that day loved them. So yeah, munch, munch away. But I, uh, years ago when you and I worked together, and I know you remember this well, you and I had gotten into something and it got a little bit heated and I said something terribly anti-Semitic and I will admit I said that. And you basically called me an asshole, but, um, rightly so. But here we are years later doing this show. So obviously you didn't judge me only on that. No. And it, it is a tricky thing, man, because I, to be honest with you, and this is something we haven't talked about off air, I did spend some time, you know, and you've been a client at Galaxy for a long time, you know, before we decided to do this show. And you do have to ask yourself, I mean, you're kind of balancing what I like about somebody versus this day that we had. And you said some some really fucked up stuff, or at least to me, I, I think sometimes you're guilty of saying things just because you want to hear the reaction to those things as opposed to I deeply believe this. And that's sort of the way I took what you said that day is that, you know, well, here's a good question that I'd like you to answer as opposed to this is 100% how I feel and, and feel free to correct that. But again, you know, if I said I'm going to take every single person out of my life that said something uh, either mildly anti-Semitic or mildly racist against black folks or mildly sexist, like, who would I be around? I would be around nobody. And and to that point, including myself, I grew up in a household in rural Appalachia where, you know, the my mom's boyfriend probably said the N-word every other word. And I'm sure I would have done that, too, from the age of 7 to 10 before I realized how horrible that was and how offended people could be. So, I mean, I think there has to be some room for growth and, and understanding. And, you know, we can't just throw the, the baby out with the bathwater always, right? No, but it has to be weird for you, Tristan, because you are proud of the Jewish part of your heritage, as I am the Irish and English part of mine, and I totally get that. But here you are in the middle of, let alone me, you know, a guy who came down here from from the Northeast and, and is, is living here now, uh, the people raised here, weaned here, who use that term all the time. And I'll just say it because you and I are doing this podcast and we don't have to I mean, not, not that it's politically incorrect for me to use this term because I'm using it in the form of a question to you, but I know you've told me this off air that you run into it a lot and you sometimes got to grit your teeth and bear it, or you might call people out, but the people will use that term while I jewed them down. And they don't even realize that it's necessarily a racist thing that they're saying, do they? Right. They just say it. Yeah. No. And to your point, it's... um. You know, I feel like intent has to be factored in. I was just telling somebody the other day, there's people that I know that probably still to this day 
will say the N-word, but then if a family of black folks are broke down at Walmart and need help changing a tire, this is the same guy that would stop and change a tire. So to me, it just, it fucks up what racism is in my mind, because to me, a racist person is not going to stop and change the tire of a black family who's, who's broke down, but then also saying the N-word. So it's, man, there's just a lot of, you know, there's a lot to be, yeah, a lot of nuance, a lot, a lot to be sorted out in, uh, in this crazy world. But yeah, I don't think. I mean, I don't think every black person that said goddamn white people, you know, I mean, I've, I've got a lot of black friends and I'm sure every one of them at some point in their life has had a pretty bad word or a thought about white folks and deservedly so, but yes, there, there's a lot of nuance and it's a lot to be discovered. But I think as I get older too, and I'm trying not to be like our society and just continue to be more and more offended at more and more things, I'd like to find a way to be less and less offended or more understanding toward what somebody means as opposed to you use the wrong word and now I can't ever talk to you again, et cetera. Yeah. Well, that's, again, that's what I said, where we find ourselves now, which really wasn't a thing 30 years ago, 20. Um, but people will say, yeah, but there was, uh, there were bad things said all the time and they're not said anymore. That's definitely true. I mean, I remember, um, He's long gone, so he'll never hear this, Mr. Zangara. But Ben Zangara was our next-door neighbor of probably 30, 35 years. Him and Dad were the best of friends. They were both World War II vets and of the same age. But also, my dad you've heard me say, my dad was the least handyman on the planet. Ben owned a auto body shop, could fix anything. He was at our house a lot. But he was just, he was a racist. He, there's no doubt about it. And this is where it gets weird, because I'm going to say he was a racist, but he was a great guy. All right. So can you, are those two things mutually exclusive? I mean, so should we have just shunned him from the house because he used the N word all the time? I mean, perhaps maybe in the age we're in now, you would do that. But in 1970, do, do you do that? Or even do you do well, it now? Uh, Tristan? Yeah. Do you even do it now? I think, man, to me, I think you kind of have to, I think people have okay. to know what, what polite conversation is in your household. So like if I went to somebody's house for whatever reason and they said it, I mean, I, you know, I could have the choice to leave or, or whatever, but yeah, I think if somebody's going to come to my house in 2022 that I'm paying the bills for, and even if I like that person, I, I might, you know, or not might, I would definitely say, listen, you know, we don't say the N word here like that. Uh, you I, know, I was just going yeah. to say that. And now I have a mouthful of freaking cashews. <laughs> I thought you were going to talk a little bit longer. Oh, I, I, I can. <laughs> well, but no, exactly right, though. I think the way to handle that is by saying we don't use that word in our house. Yeah. And, and I think that's kind of the weird thing too, because with my job, I will periodically a hear the Julia down thing. And it's, it's happened less and less over the 17 years that I've been at my job, but man, like once a year, I'll hear somebody out the N word. And so it's always tough. Like, and I'm always kind of caught in that, Man, like a lot of times it's people that I really like and I have respect for. And then when I hear them use the term, it's like, oh, God damn it. Like it just, you know, it it like breaks your heart just a little bit. But then too, like who am I to judge everybody's experience? I mean, I know my mom grew up in, in, uh, she was a military kid uh, and she was in a lot of different schools and she was at a place. I think that she was kind of mistreated by a mostly black school. And I, and and mom wasn't one to go around saying the N word, but I think it stuck with her for a long time. You know what I mean? And, yeah. uh, 
it's also tough to judge people's experience because I think if you probably go to a, if you're a little white girl going to an all black inner city school, your experience is probably going to be different. If you go to say Madison central, you know, and it, there's, you know, plenty of different races and, and ethnicities to, to go back and forth the same, of course, so Jesus Christ, imagine, I can't think of her last name, but little Ruby's experience as the first black girl in the integrated, integrated South, I think in like the Alabama grade school in 19 fucking 59 or whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. So I, I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, do you think she grew up loving white people? I'm sure she, she probably no. did better than most, but I'm sure in the back of her mind, she's thinking these are some evil motherfuckers. So again, I, it, I don't like to hear those words. But I also think there's some authenticity in your experience. Like there's probably some authenticity in the experiences that you've had with Jewish people that are different from the ones I've had. Every experience I've had in my life with a Jewish person has been overwhelmingly positive and wonderful to me, except for my dad, who can be a bit of a shithead. But, you know, every other member of my family. Right. So and and you grew up in a school where, you know, I'm sure there was a lot of Jewish folks and your experience was different. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, so I don't want to take that from you and say, you know, everybody was wonderful when it's not. But now again, do I think you should probably walk around and use the term Jewing you down in 2022? No, but you know, you're smarter than that. And that's a, you know, good conversation to be had. But I mean, if people are really getting down to the nitty gritty of race and we're, we're pouring our hearts out and talking about why we all feel certain ways about, you know, different groups or different people i mean there's some real conversations i think to be had but it doesn't excuse being racist or anti-semitic or anti anybody as a group because by nature there's going to be good and bad and everything right and i've said for eons Tristan, that to me the almost the entire uh manifestation of political correctness which i now I, I guess now falls under the woke umbrella was specific to one thing, which was the N word, which was to get rid of that word from the American vernacular because it was used way too much by white people. And those white people who say, well, those guys use it all the time are just clueless because you're not white, right? I, I mean, they're, they're not white. You're not black. You don't get to use that word. Um, what they choose to do, what black folks choose to do with that word is their choice, right? But it really was to get rid of that word. And you don't hear it very often. In fact, in fact, and so we're two white guys talking. So if there's any black listeners, Dave Townsend, if you're listening to me, this is a wonderful thing. And this is just an honest assessment. I'm not sugarcoating this to the point you made. You hear that word so little now that when someone says it, it really gets your attention. Like, oh, shit, yeah, yeah. Did they just do that. Did they just go there? And that's a wonderful thing. Now, my brother tells a story, Tom, who you met through the through the uh, internet, through our call. He was in Gunner's Bar, which was in our hometown. Now, I had moved to Kentucky by then. It's probably 89. And they're in there after a softball game, and they're watching. Well, I guess it wasn't softball because it was wintertime, but they wound up there at 9 o'clock on a, on a winter night, and there's basketball on. The Knicks are on. And Patrick Ewing's playing for the Knicks then. And some guys in the bar, they don't know him. He's just a guy in the bar, and and Gunners was their haunt. They were there all the time. And this guy, Ewing makes a great play, and this guy says, would you look at that N-word play? And this guy, Jimmy Benarski, and this is now 30-plus years ago, 89, 99, 09, 19. Jimmy's just a blue-collar guy. He was a contractor, a carpenter, and Tommy didn't even you know, know really – you know, I won't say it was surprising that Jimmy said it, but I guess it was. 
Jimmy just looks at the guy and says, we don't use that word in this bar. And the guy kind of chuckles at him. And Jimmy says, no, I'm very serious. We don't use that word in this bar. And my brother was like, right on, Jimmy, good for you. So those examples are worth telling also. A hundred percent. And I think you can't tell the story of, you know, of uh, segregation ending and, uh, you know, and, and a lot of these great movements, the ending of slavery. I mean, we've all, you know, everybody has come together to help those movements. You know, the N-word being stopped being said by white people or in polite company is because white people have made a concerted effort to be a part of that. You know, it's yes. a lot. There are a lot of wonderful human beings. Again, it goes without saying, but of all creeds and races and sexual orientations, and there's wonderful people everywhere if you look for them. And that's a great point, Trizit, and and that doesn't get celebrated enough. Now, that story I just told you about, that's a bar in a 100% white town of Pumpton Plains, New Jersey. There's not a black face in that bar when Jimmy does that. He doesn't have to do it, but he does it because of what you just said. And to me, there's a story there that's not told enough. We all get beat up. And I'm not, you know, I don't want to put on uh, the rose-colored glasses and be Pollyanna here, but we have made progress. And that progress, I think the point you're making is that progress comes mutually. Black folks reminded us that we can be shitheels, but also white people making a conscious effort to not be that shitheel. And sometimes that doesn't get looked at enough and doesn't get celebrated enough because there are still problems. And I get that, but you know, it's a fucking slog, man. That ball, it's two, it's, it's a half a yard in a cloud of dust. It's hard moving that ball down the field, Yeah, but, no, it, is uh, moving, but it is moving down the field. Well, I completely agree. I mean, I grew up in a, you know, my formative years, it was 1 million percent accepted to use the F word, not as in fuck, but in the one that rhymes with rag, like every time oh, yeah, you ever, right, right, right. you know, every time somebody was pissing you off, ah, shut up F, you know, sure. ah, you're being an F. We oh, did yeah. not even understand an ounce of that, of how offensive that was to the homosexual community. I mean, it sounds really stupid that a 13-year-old wouldn't think, man, maybe that's not the best to our closeted friend in high school that is worried about being beaten to death and dragged behind a tractor until he dies, you know, to just run around using the, the that word all the time. But yeah, to your point, with that word, like the N-word, man, you just don't hear people pulling that out anymore, and it's a great thing. You know, but, the, you know, but so many of us just blindly do this stuff. And I'm sure in 15 years, there'll be, you know, the stuff we're doing now will be insane. But, yeah, it's all about progress and slogging that ball down the field. You're exactly right. right. And just yeah, trying no, to be better. A hundred percent, Tristan, a hundred percent. Man, I don't know how we do it, but somehow we have killed another hour. I don't know if the listeners appreciate it, but the two of us can bullshit. I'll say that. We can indeed talk. <laughs> if only it paid better i guess if only it paid better i guess um we probably need to sign off yeah you want to mention some sponsors and and do some you do your comedy and i'll read some reviews yeah do uh uh certainly uh let uh you know let folks know what troy is up to because he has some great stuff going on yeah, and, and he was just telling me something to say on the show about what he's doing, and I'll be damned if if I don't remember any of it. So, Troy, you're gonna you're gonna have to uh, help me make a, a thirty second commercial for you so we can get this rolling. Um, yes. But please check out frontporchstudios.com. There's a lot of cool stuff going on there. Um, actually, I, I do remember. I think he was saying that once we get going in our studio in Bad Wolf, 
if um you know if anybody else wants to maybe use the studio there and he can sort of help remotely which is maybe something that we'd have to you know be during work hours for dan and and something else but that might that might be something but anyway check out uh frontportstudios.com uh troy's got a lot of cool stuff going on if you have any interest in podcasting or just podcast questions or or uh you know just are kind of dipping your toes into the idea of this this crazy world where you can talk about ice cube for an hour uh go to frontportstudios.com you won't regret it uh go to bad wolf gaming actually leave the bad wolf gaming studios real soon uh bad wolf gaming 711 chestnut street Berea, or give them a call at 859-646-6061 and stop by and see you and i and of course my brother aaron at Berea pond that's uh man you got to go there for furniture right now they've got the furniture hookup you're going to get like five thousand dollar wayfair couches for like two and three hundred dollars so you really can't beat that so check out berea pond buckshot and lead.com 107 clay drive in berea yes yes sir they They are are, uh, they are are great great folks folks. are you you here yeah i'm looking at two of you right now you literally left and you're back with two rays what type of hell is this See, this is why I, I, I shouldn't mess, mess with, with the computer. computer. I what did you do? Make this right. What the I hell? something. And I, now batting number two, Derek <laughs> Gita. Number two. Um, let me see if I can do something. Mute one of your faces. Mute yourself. All right, here we go. Is that any better? That's it. So now you got one of your faces is muted. I don't know if it is. I still oh, hear a little echo, but it's not Tara. Well, can you mute the other Ray? Let's see. Hit your echo cancellation button, maybe. All right. How's that? Now you're both not muted again. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right. See, this is why Troy can never leave us to do this on our own. This is, we just need to be babysat all the time. Here, let me try something else. I think what I did, Tristan, was I went back and rejoined the studio somehow. (laughs) This is amazing. Now there's three rays. <laughs> oh, nobody else is going to get a kick out of this. This is the most ridiculous right, fucking thing I've ever seen. <laughs> okay, right. Tell your the three of you motherfuckers tell your joke, and then I'll let you just leave. <laughs> tell your joke. Oh, God, Troy's going to have to do some editing. Are you going to tell your joke? Can you hear me? I can now, yeah. Okay, Troy's going to have to do some editing, I think. Tell t- the two, two of you motherfuckers, tell your joke, and then I'll do these actual reviews, and we can get the hell out of here. <laughs> I can handle one ray. I cannot handle multiple rays. Oh, all right. I'll make it short. (laughs) Do you know, Tristan, how you can tell if a cat burglar's been in your house? I can. I do not know how to tell. 
your, your cat's missing. <laughs> hey, it's right, a, I'm out, man. I'm going to listen to you close it out. All right. Sounds good. All right, guys. So real quickly, as I look at three Ray paces, uh, I'm going to do some actual five-star reviews, and we appreciate it. Uh, these are actually from uh, from Apple uh, this week, so just go to Apple. You can go to Spotify and just leave a five-star review. We will read it on the uh, on the show. So this one, uh, I've, I think I'm going to do five. Uh, headphone critic writes, I always thought the term my ears are bleeding was hyperbole, but after listening to your podcast, I realized that it is a literal saying. One of you fucks is paying my doctor bill. Five stars. All right. The second actual five-star review, Ruby Reynolds, my grandma, writes, Didn't you go to college? What a waste. Let's go, Brandon. Five stars. Ah, I did go to college, and that was kind of shitty for my grandma, but at least she left the review. All right. Welcome back, Ray. I'm just reading reviews. Uh, nice. <laughs> All right, so uh, third review here, at Scruffy McCheckswing writes, you rich elitist city dwellers will never understand Donald Trump. I'd rather get pissed on in a Russian hotel with Donald Trump than let Joe Brandon smell my hair. Five stars. All right. Thanks, Scruffy. We appreciate that. Uh, At LogicHound61 writes, the fact that you're trying to add some common sense to a political world gone mad is admirable. Even though you have obvious biases, it's refreshing to hear anyone legitimately holding both sides accountable. Five stars. Hey, that was pretty pretty nice. Cool, yeah. And oh, it looks like he left another one at Logic Count sixty one writes again. Just kidding, you guys are horseshit. Five stars. Oh, okay. Well, we'll take the five star of you, even if you want to say something bad. Um so yeah, that's it, man. Thanks for listening. Those are the actual five star reviews. Uh, leave one, and we'll read it on the air. We appreciate the reviews. That's the the most helpful thing you can do for us outside paying Ray and my mortgage. So we appreciate it. I just it. think it is so funny that you went from one to two to three rays. Is that like a nightmare? I'm going to send you. I took pictures of it. I'm going to send these over so you can see what I was looking at. Oh, what it did was, I hit? What did I hit? And oh I my think god, that my, was the echo has to be there too, right? Yeah, no, you definitely sounded like uh <laughs> I can't think of that guy's name. Yeah. Shepherd. Yeah, Bob, you definitely turned into Bob Shepherd at old Yankee Stadium. Uh, Jesus Christ. And you just kept multiplying. It's like if for the folks that are at home and don't understand what I'm saying and you've done a Zoom call, it's like every person in the Zoom call is just Ray. Oh, there was like <laughs> that's because I'm 62, and when something goes wrong with the computer, you just keep hitting shit. Rams like that. Don't keep hitting the fucking button. All right, I just kept <laughs> Oh my god. Oh, that may be the funniest thing that's happened in a year uh, ago in this prison. Oh, my good god. times. All right, all brother. right. Hey, we've got some guests coming up. My nephew has agreed to come on. He's going to talk about personal injury law, and you have somebody that may be joining us as well. Yeah, I've got the head of the Bluegrass Airport's TSA, who I met, yeah, who maybe car trading. Yeah, it'd be fun to talk to her. It's time to get guests. You and I have been doing this too many shows. You know, we enjoy them. I hope the listeners do, but that was funny today, so at least yeah. we'll have that. <laughs> yeah, got a good laugh out of it at least. We All right, man. Have a good week. Thanks, Let's Chris. do it again. All right, you take too. care. Thanks for listening to Extreme Common Sense with Tristan and Ray. We hope you had fun and look forward to taking on another topic next week.